You are listening to the Sports Daily. I'm your host, Reality Steve. Thank you all for tuning in. Good Monday show for you. We're going to talk about what broke at the end of last week, and that is the fact that the Colorado football program is going to the Big 12 in 2024. Man, the Pac-12 is in serious, serious trouble. They're on life support right now, and I have a feeling by the end of this season there will no longer be a Pac-12. I've got some interesting stats on Freddie Freeman. Who is leading Major League Baseball in RBIs since June 1st, with today being the last day of July? Who's led the Major Leagues in RBIs the last two months? You'll probably be pretty surprised. What's going on with Jonathan Taylor in Indianapolis is baffling, and it once again shows running backs don't mean shit to NFL teams. And Aaron Rodgers gives his thoughts on the Back to the Future trilogy. He ranks his Back to the Future movies. We'll get to all that momentarily. Let's start out in college football, or at the end of last week, we find out. By the way, because I'm still in California, recording at a hotel on my phone, you probably maybe can tell my voice is a little bit strained. Just a lot of talking this weekend as, you know, I'm here for my 30-year high school reunion, which was this past weekend. It was so much fun. It was a blast. Loved seeing everybody. Loved talking to everybody. But most of the places we were at, bars, uh, even our reunion had a DJ and just having to yell a lot. Voice is a little bit strained, so bear with me. But Colorado is defecting back to the Big 12 when it used to be the Big 8. Colorado and Nebraska dominated that. Now they're going to the Big 12, and they're bolting from the Pac-12. And it's pretty amazing, considering there's only one reason that the Big 12 wants any part of Colorado, and that's Deion Sanders. And look, I think Deion's going to turn it around in Colorado, but it is pretty amazing that a conference like the Big 12 wants Colorado back when they were literally the worst team in college football last year. That shows you how much the Big 12 as a conference thinks Dion's going to make a difference at Colorado. Because Colorado has been an irrelevant football program since the 90s. And as I said, last year, 1-11, averaged 15 points a game and gave up 45 points a game on average. They literally lost games by an average of 30 points a game last year. 1-11, they bring in Dion, and Dion hasn't even coached a game for Colorado, and they're already moving conferences to a better conference. So that leaves right now the Pac-12 starting next year has nine teams. UCLA and USC gone to the Big Ten. Colorado gone to the Big 12. There's rumors that the Big 12, once they lose Oklahoma and Texas next year, will be down to now 13 teams, and they're going to pick up possibly Arizona, Arizona State, and Utah to join Colorado. So... That would be a very, very interesting conference. But if the Pac-12 loses Arizona, Arizona State, and Utah, now they're down to six teams. They can piece together all they want, but the rumor has it that Oregon and Washington are headed to the Big Ten. So that now leaves you with four teams. Stanford, Cal, Washington State, and Oregon State. You can bring in, you know, if you want to really do the whole Boise State, San Diego State thing and bring them into the Pac-12, I'm sorry, that conference will be so far behind 
the SEC, ACC, Big Ten, and Big 12, it'll be a joke. I wouldn't even know if they would be considered a group of five. Those teams aren't national powerhouses in football. Never have been, never will be, really. Stanford under David Shaw was good. Had a couple Rose Bowl appearances in there, but... Man, if Arizona, Arizona State, and Utah leave and follow Colorado to the Big 12, as suspected, and Oregon and Washington bolt the big uh, Pac-12 for the Big 10, which is kind of the rumor, <laughs> I just don't think there's a Pac-12 anymore. I, I, don't, I don't know who you bring in. And if it is a Pac-12, and like you said, you bring in the Boise States of the world and San Diego State... I, I don't know if you can call that a group of five conference. I really don't. But, man, it just goes to show how big this Deion Sanders effect is. Who would have thought, after UCLA and USC were poached from the Pac-12 to the Big Ten, that the next team to bolt would be Colorado? Irrelevant for 30 years, honestly, in college football. Coming off a 1-11 season, and they're the next ones to go. To the Big 12. Your guess is as good as mine, but there's only one explanation for that, and that's Deion Sanders is your head coach. So I wanted to switch over to baseball for a little bit. There's a couple statistics here that I didn't know about. I found them, thought I'd pass them on to you because I know you'd find them interesting. Number one is we have another first player in Major League Baseball history. And what do you know, it doesn't revolve around Shohei Otani. Freddie Freeman, one of the most steady steady baseball players in all of Major League Baseball, in his second year with the Dodgers, having another solid season. If it wasn't for Ronald Acuna, Freddie Freeman would probably win the MVP in the National League. And this guy is just, he's just a hitting machine. He's always been that way. He's the consummate professional, total family guy. I love the fact that he's a Dodger. And he is going to, he is a first ballot Hall of Famer without a doubt. Freddie Freeman this year is the first player in Major League Baseball history to record 20 home runs, 35 doubles, 125 hits. 10 stolen bases, and 40 more walks before August 1st. Now, he's over on all those. It's not like he just hit the bare minimum. But, yeah, 20 plus, 20 or more home runs, 35 or more doubles, 125 or more hits, 10 plus stolen bases, 40 plus walks before August. That's Freddie Freeman this year for the Dodgers. And it's the reason the Dodgers are in first place. Because their pitching has been so decimated all season long, and yet there they are still. I think this would be if they win the West this year. They only have a two-game lead right now over the Giants. But if the Dodgers win the West this year, I believe that's nine of the last ten years <clears throat> winning. <coughs> excuse me, winning the NL West, and yet if they don't win the World Series, it's a whole lot of nothing. Congratulations on winning the NL West. If you don't win the World Series, frankly, I don't give a crap. With that many chances getting into the playoffs, you can't keep losing. And their only World Series win during this run was during a 60-game regular season during COVID. 
you don't want to take it away because once everybody made the playoffs, they were all trying. Everybody was healthy. Dodgers won the World Series fair and square. But will there always be people that hold that against them because they only had to go through a 60-game regular season? Absolutely. And I, frankly, I kind of think that's fair. I, I, I'm i not discounting the World Series, but don't tell me it's the same as as <clears throat> them having to go through a 162-game season and, and then win in a playoff series, multiple playoff series. The other baseball statistic I wanted to pass out to you was the fact that I said at the beginning, in the open. Now, this was heading into the weekend. I haven't updated the stats, but heading into the weekend, what player in Major League Baseball do you think has led the Major League in RBIs since June 1st? You might say, well, Shohei Otani. Well, you'd be close. He's second. Um... You know, Matt Olson of the Atlanta Braves is a home run and RBI machine. No, he's sixth. Atlanta has, oh, he has, Atlanta has two guys in this top, in the list of eight. Matt Olson and Ozzy Albies. Shohei Otani is second. Nolan Arenado is third with uh, 41. Manny Machado is fourth with 40. But the player who has the most RBIs since June 1st is Justin Turner of the Boston Red Sox, who I don't understand why the Dodgers gave him away. He, another consummate professional. I understand he had injury issues, but I would take Justin Turner on my team every day of the week and twice on Sundays. That guy is a pro's pro. And to show that he signs with the Boston Red Sox in the offseason, showing now he's still got it. He's having another solid season. I hated the fact that the Dodgers wouldn't offer him anything or enough to stay. I thought he was so important to that team and for them to just let him go and now to see what he's doing in Boston, ugh, makes me sick to my stomach sometimes. All right, let's talk football. And what do you know? Another running back story, and this one's just getting weird. So Indianapolis Colts running back Jonathan Taylor has requested a trade. And the Colts have made no bones about it. They're not interested in re-signing him to a long-term deal, at least not right now. So Jonathan Taylor reports back pain during his pre-training camp physical uh, that was deemed to be from an injury that wasn't sustained while playing for Indianapolis, which means... They can put him on the non-football injury list, and that would mean they could withhold his salary because the injury happened outside of football. They said Taylor failed his physical because of a combination of a previous ankle injury and the team's medical staff had not previously discussed a back issue with him, and the Colts were unaware of the problem until he reported to camp on Tuesday. And there's this whole thing of, oh, now, now Jonathan Taylor coming off ankle surgery has got back problems. Well, then last night, Jonathan Taylor tweets out, well, look, I'm sure you all saw the change on your phone over the weekend and on your desktop. We know that Elon Musk has changed Twitter. It is now called X. 
no one's ever going to ever get on board with X. We can't say someone X'd out. When you say someone tweeted out something, now we have to say someone X'd out something? No. Everyone's, no matter what he tries to do and take away our little bluebird and change the name and call it X, everyone's still going to call it Twitter. Good. Shove it up his ass the way he's run that thing into the ground. With that said, I'm going to call it Twitter. Jonathan Taylor tweeted last night two points. One, and he's he's numbering these in his tweet. Number one, never had back pain. Number two, never reported back pain. Not sure who sources are, but find new ones. So now you got an issue on your hands. The Indianapolis Colts are sitting here telling the world that Jonathan Taylor failed a physical because of back problems, and he had complained of back problems since he got into camp. And then he tweets out last night, never had any back pain, never reported any back pain. Well, okay, then someone is flat out lying. And who do you think is lying? The team or Jonathan Taylor? I would say the team. Because that doesn't make any sense. The whole thing is, this whole running back thing is getting out of hand. Did you hear did you hear Jim Ursay, the owner of the Colts, say what he did? Made a comment was like if I died tomorrow the the quote was like if I die you might be able to hear it in the background here. I mean, if I die tonight and Jonathan Taylor's out of the league, no one's going to miss us. If I die tonight and Jonathan Taylor's out of the league, no one's going to miss us. What owner says that? Why is he saying that? Jonathan Taylor was the leading rusher in the league two years ago, and look at how he's being treated. Last year, had ankle problems. Basically, the Colts are saying, you're done. We think you're done. Not paying you. We're not even going to negotiate with you on a new deal. And he was the best running back in football two seasons ago. Two. Not 20. Not 10. Not five. Two. He was at the top of everybody's fantasy list. He was the stud. We knew how many carries he's going to get. And now a team, once again, immediately turning their back on a running back. And like I've said a thousand times, it's his money, Jamerce's money. It's every NFL owner's money. They can do what they want with it. But it is so bizarre how every single one of them when a running back has a good season, it immediately is used against them. Like, you can't do that again, or you're wearing down. Uh, and there, it, the numbers bear it out. Running backs get worse the more they play. And by year six, they're basically finished. They're not putting up 1,300-yard seasons after about year six. It's happened very few times. But there is just something so wrong with guys not getting their money because after a good year as a running back, you're literally being, they're taking those statistics and using it against you, saying you can't do this again because there's more wear and tear on you. But when a quarterback throws for 4,500 yards or 5,000 yards, they're just expected to do it every season. Nobody says they're getting worse. And we've talked about it. Obviously, running back, much more bruising position than quarterback is, but 
I'm telling you, there's going to be a major. There might even be a lawsuit. I, I don't. I don't know. I and I, I. I. I feel for the running backs. I've told you that, but I don't know what they can do. And can you do it to where you have different contract parameters in place for different positions on a football field? I. I know that's what the running backs are probably going to shoot for. That can we be free agents after three years? and not be locked into a five- or six-year deal since none of us basically are getting that second contract because after five or six years, most teams will just cut us loose. This is getting uglier and uglier and uglier, and every good running back in the NFL is either signed to a really shitty deal right now or unhappy with their current deal or not even in camp because they can't even come to a deal. And finally, wanted to talk about Aaron Rodgers. He did an interview with Peter Schrager of CBS Sports and the NFL Network. <laughs> and Peter Schrager was just asking him how it feels to be in New York, what have you done, and all this stuff. And he's talked about just, I've, I've been a West Coast guy my whole life, but I'm really liking the East Coast. I get to, I've been to a few Nick games. I've been to some Ranger games. He goes, I've done Wicked. And then he said, I've seen Back to the Future on Broadway. And he said, it's very, very good. And then Peter Schrager asked him, oh, so we all love Back to the Future. You know, rank your Back to the Futures. And Aaron Rodgers thinks that Back to the Future 3 is better than Back to the Future 2. His rankings are Back to the Future, number 1. Back to the Future 3, number 2. And Back to the Future 2, number 3. Look, anybody that's listened to me over the years knows it's probably, outside of Karate Kid, the most important franchise in movie history in my life. And I honestly go back and forth. I don't think three would ever surpass. Three has always been in the third spot for me. I always rotate between whether I like two better than one, but then I watch one and I'm just like, no, it's just, it's so good. It's so good. James Gunn calls it the perfect movie. Not that his, I mean, he's a very popular filmmaker, but not that his word means everything in the world, but I just... You can't beat one. One comes on. I mean, look, any of them come on. I'm watching it. If I see it on TNT and I turn it on, I can't not watch it. I always watch it to completion. But sometimes there are times where I watch two and just the way the story interweaves. And I understand that there's time jumping in there and different alternate timelines. But I like that stuff, especially when it's simply explained. There are timeline stuff, especially going on in the MCU right now, where I'm so confused with all this time jumping and alternate realities and space-time continuum getting all mixed up. Back to the Future 2 was so easy to explain. Now, when I saw it as a 12 or 13-year-old, I don't think I comprehended it. I just knew that it was pretty cool that they went into the future, and then when they came back to an alternate 1985, I probably needed it explained to me exactly what made it alternate. But now as an adult, clearly I understand. I can look at it fourth dimensionally. And I just, I get it. And sometimes two is just like, wow, this was, this was great. But for him to put three ahead of two, maybe he's just a fan of Western movies and stuff like that, and I've just never been a Western guy ever at all. I didn't hate three, and I did like the way they ended it, and I just, it'll just never be better than two for me. I just don't see it, but that's what Aaron Rodgers thinks, and that's why he's 
pretty much a crazy person. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. He's not crazy, but he definitely is kind of an oddball. And this just adds to his oddballness is the fact that he thinks three is better than two. It's not. Sorry. I know that's an opinion, but, and Aaron's entitled to opinion, no matter his opinion, no matter how wrong he is. And he's wrong on this because Back to the Future 3 is not better than Back to the Future 2. I will go to my grave on that one. Anyway, thank you all for listening. I really appreciate it. Please follow me on Apple Podcasts. Rate and review if you can as well. We'll be back tomorrow with yet another Sports Daily. Put a, you know, Tell your friends about it. Let them know about it. Pass it along to them. As we're getting close to football season, you know, I started the Sports Daily in January of this year, so we were at the tail end of NFL season and college football season when I started this podcast. Now you're going to get me for a full NFL and college football season. I'm going to be giving you so many gambling notes and so many gambling tips as you know on a weekly basis as we get closer uh, to the season. So uh, just keep that in mind. Looking forward to it. Again, thank you all for listening. I really appreciate it. And remember... Sports will always be the greatest reality show on television. Take your the best around. Nothing's gonna ever keep you down. You're the best around. And nothing's gonna ever keep you down. You're the best around.